It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Hi, I'm Teresa. And I'm Amy. We are two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. So, Amy, what was your highlight for last week? One of my highlights was making sack lunches with you and your sweet mom for Bridgetown Church. That was in so fun. Isn't oh, my mom's adorable? She's so sweet. So I can't wait to do that again because now we know more about right. You know what it is and what to put in and yeah, it was so fun and it went easy. Fast. It went yeah. super fast. And next time we need, if everybody brings different items, yeah. we could do a lot. We could do a we, ton of lunches. I think we did about twenty five lunches. Which we could do more, you know. We definitely could do more. I it reminded me of the story I saw in People magazine with this little girl named Paris Williams. She wanted to make sack lunches for people that are hungry, and she has little drawings on them and like little notes and sweet little things. So we should probably add that to our lunches too. But she wanted to start a foundation, and she started Paris Cares Foundation. And I just looked last night just out of curiosity, and there's this set up like a GoFundMe, and it had. $9,000. $9,000. Just a little bit That's over. Awesome. People donating to help her make food for other people. So Aww. it just was so exciting to me that not only is this little six year old girl right. making a difference in the world, but all of those people are joining are in. Helping support her. That's and yeah, I just, it was, you know, all the feels. So that's really cool. The other thing was I. It was fun. My daughter and I made Laura Bush's cowboy cookies. Those were, yep, thanks yep. for sharing. Well, I brought I, those over to the baby, too. He didn't have them, but my brother did. We talked about her in episode 25, but I had gotten an email from Southern Living highlighting Family Circles magazine. They do a political bake-off. They've been doing this since 1992. Hmm. Kind of fun, but mm-hmm. they asked readers to try baking the recipes of the candidates' wives and vote on their favorite. <laughs> So, like, in 1992, uh, Hillary Clinton did chocolate chip cookies, Mm -hmm. which beat Barbara Bush's chocolate chip cookies. And then, again, Hillary Clinton's chocolate chip cookies beat out Elizabeth's Joel pecan rolls in 96. But then in 2000, Laura Bush debuted her Governor's House Cowboy Cookies. And it's kind of fun. Ellie did most of the work until Mm -hmm. the end. I should have looked at the ingredients more carefully because she had a tough time getting them all into the mixer. I mean, they are loaded <laughs> with rolled oats. I think it was like three cups, two cups of pecans, two cups of chocolate chips, two cups of coconut, oh, not to mention all the flour, yeah. and three cubes of butter. Yeah. I mean, they were good. That's I why mean, they were so good. And that's why they were kind of golden brown, yeah. I think, from all that butter. But anyways, we'll post the recipe on our website at tangentialinspiration.com. Very fun. I heard about this neat nonprofit, All Pro Dad, which seems fitting with Father's Day mm-hmm. approaching later this month. All Pro Dad is a nonprofit started in 1997 by Mark Merrill with the help of former NFL Colts coach Tony Dungy. Mark Merrill also is a founder and president of Family First, which is an organization that provides programs and online resources dedicated to helping families. Tony Dungy lost his son to suicide at 18. Mm. Yeah. And I think he, that made him realize that we, tomorrow is not promised yeah. to us, and we have to take advantage of each and every day with our kids. And that led him to join Mark Merrill and launch this nonprofit. All Pro Dad is committed to helping men become better fathers, which I think is so awesome. There's so much for for moms. Yeah. 
haven't seen many resources for I for dads. Seen, I haven't I, seen anything. Yeah, so I thought that was cool. This nonprofit has 50 NFL spokesmen, multiple events with NFL teams, over a thousand chapters all over the world. And I love they have these three easy steps how you can engage. Mm-hmm. You can do it one minute a day, which is a daily encouragement email, how, and just how to be a better dad. Another option is a one hour a month, dads joining their kids at a local school chapter program for fun time, kind of building relationship. Mm-hmm. And the third one is bonding with your kids in an interactive experience in an NFL or NCAA stadium. Which I know these are geared to dads, but, but really a mom could, could do, could do those too. too. Yeah. You can do one or all. It's a great way for dads to bond with their kids. Mm-hmm. Their website has a lot of great information, like where to find the local event or chapter. And dads can even be contributors to the website and get paid anywhere from $50 to $100 a post. I, I just love that dads encouraging other dads, sharing insights and wisdom mm-hmm. about parenting. To be better parents. Yeah. yeah. Post topics include how to handle back talk from kids. I, I'm going to read that one. Um, what we need to teach our kids before they leave home. And, you know, and there's a lot mm-hmm. more. Um, they also gave really cool ideas for spending time together, like hosting an outdoor scavenger hunt, which encourages movement and exercise. Mm-hmm. Or another fun idea, especially with the Olympics, is doing like a summer Olympics, like, a cl- oh, like yeah. doing the classics, yeah. like track, swimming, badminton, mm-hmm. volleyball. I just, I don't know, I just love this nonprofit. We'll have all the information on our website at tangentialinspiration.com. Cool find. So I know we both watched The Royal Wedding in the 80s. Yes. When Prince Charles and Lady Diana Spencer were married, but I can't say that I've watched another one since. Did you watch either of the last two? I I watched Kate and William. Yeah, but that's. (laughs) And I guess I was missing out with the marriage of. Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, from what I gather, the person who stole the show was Bishop Michael oh. Curry. So, or at least that's what I envision. That's what yeah. I'm telling myself with the things I've looked into. I saw an Instagram post that commented about they had turned on the television expecting to watch this stuffy old service and being energized with a, you know, this black bishop. Right. And I only watched just the the sermon portion of it yeah. from him. And that was even only just a couple days ago. And I had to smile a little as the camera's panning around the room. Yeah. It kind of looks like some of them are kind of giggling to themselves. And I just think it, it they weren't prepared for this right. charismatic Baptist feel type of preacher right. up right. there at the royal wedding. Yeah. So I just thought it was they were probably super were like funny. puzzled. Yeah, they <laughs> it's like, so what's it was going just on? it was cute that he's at the royal wedding. Right. And it just it that part was inspiring already. But the more I learn about Bishop Michael Curry, the more I admire him and his infectious energy. The man loves people, and that's evident. I thought he was perfect for our Father's Day month because he um was the first black Archbishop of the Episcopalian Church, but he also is a dad. Yeah. He has two daughters, Elizabeth and Rachel, with his bride, Sharon. There's another reason, though, that Michael Curry is perfect for us to discuss in June. He, too, is an ally for same-sex couples, though I doubt we'll see him waving a rainbow flag for Pride Month. He ended the book that I just love, Love is the Way. He talked about struggle with making that decision, and even now, as he travels places, around the world, right. not all of them in the Episcopalian Church agree with his stand with same-sex marriage. Right. Ultimately, he feels that everyone who loves Jesus in his congregation, well, I guess yeah. in and out of his congregation right. too, is a brother or sister in the kingdom, and cannot be denied the same opportunities to declare their love. 
So I loved this book, his latest book. He has several. Love is the Way, Holding on to Hope in Troubling Times. And I've enjoyed the occasional interview as yeah. well as a sermon or two. And I clicked on one about crazy Christians. Oh. He has a book called yeah, okay. with that title too. But And I got to say, it ended up being a favorite. I was totally expecting for him to talk about some of the absurd things that Christians do in the name of religion, mostly revolving around judgment and division instead of acceptance and inclusion. And the sermon... From his iPad, yeah. I might add. Oh, yeah. I mean, very state. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. Was encouraging Christians to be crazy, but not in the sense one might think. He encouraged them to be crazy like Harriet Beecher Stowe, who worked to free slaves, oh. not for social justice reasons as much as she just saw it was the right thing to do in the eyes of God. Right. Little side note, it was interesting in that sermon, he talked about a play that they had done on Harriet Beecher Stowe, which had been dedicated to Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh, yeah. Which I thought was. Just I love cool. how things tie together. I know, exactly. And even though I'm not Episcopalian, and, but I do share his Christian values, that isn't what's as inspiring to me about him because you can find a number of preachers, pastors, and the like sharing their faith. But this guy, he's just different. His message is one of a kind, and I can't tell you how much I admire him for encouraging people to do more. Yeah. His book is filled with all sorts of lessons he's learned throughout his life, and he's had a very full life. This is a guy who was a descendant of sharecroppers and slaves on both sides of his family. I don't think his mom wanted him to become a theologian because she knew firsthand the struggles that ensue. and. Remember, at the time, churches, something that should be completely off-limits to violence, were being bombed all over uh-huh. the South. And for a time, he considered a life in politics. He oh, was going to be a politician. Wow. Yeah. And he had helped with the Robert Kennedy campaign. But ultimately, he decided that wasn't his calling. His dad was a preacher. And I only know just enough about the different denominations to get myself into trouble, <laughs> as I've said. But um, his father and grandfather were both Baptist preachers. Okay. And I've never been to a Baptist church. But if it's anything like what I've seen in the movies, yeah, it looks like fun. fun yeah, right. It looks like fun. Yeah. The worship alone, I think, is neat. And uh, The Preacher's Wife, have you seen that with Denzel Washington and Whitney Houston? Oh, yes. If not, okay, oh, yeah, yeah, I have. Because yeah, it's on my top five yeah, movies. That is Christmas yeah. movies. But um, that's a good one. So he he grew up in a Baptist family, but Michael's mother had convinced his father to try an Episcopalian church. Now this was in segregated Ohio, and Senior Curry Ken Curry watched as they started communion oh, in this Episcopalian yeah. church. And one of the first people to drink from the communal cup, I don't know what that's called. A chalice? Yes, yes, thank you. That communal cup was a young African-American woman. And he just watched to see what was going to take right. place because he thought this was yeah. this was going to turn into a show. But nothing happened. I mean, they just continued on with the sermon and they continued passing it around. And this is probably during segregation and everything. Oh, exactly. For sure, so. I mean, this is, and at this time, they had separate drinking fountains right. for blacks and whites. So this ridiculously simple act encouraged him to learn more about this religion. Okay. And because this particular church, he just felt they were living an example that proved we're all children of God. Right. Regardless of the color of our skin. And, I mean, Michael Curry noted that no church is perfect, but for his father, this inspired him to convert. To oh. um, So, the senior Bishop Curry was active in social issues, so it's no surprise that Bishop 
Michael Curry, would continue doing what felt right in their service. Curry participated in crisis response pastoral care. He did summer day camps for children, preaching missions. He created networks of family daycare providers and the brokering of investment in inner city neighborhoods. He inspired a $2.5 million restoration of the St. James Church building after a fire. Wow. And, like, the stuff that they went through in the book, it just... I felt like the universe was sending a very clear message that maybe he should get out of the city. Yeah. But he talks about the eyes of this young boy looking up to him. And the other one, one of the stories reminded me of actually Back to the Future because their church had had... Father's Day, they had been struck by lightning at 7.09, and it stopped their clock, so their clock never worked. So, I mean, just amazing stories, but so many things from the universe that I'm like, oh my gosh, how can you keep... Yeah, Yeah. but he persisted. He also talks in his book a lot about soul food, which reminded me of your discussion about Marcus Samuelson in episode five. His comfort food is the stuff that he grew up eating, meals his grandmother prepared for him, and I hadn't really thought much about, you know, what did slaves eat? Right. But he noted that they were usually given the parts of the animal, mostly pigs, that other people would consider garbage and most certainly not edible. Right. So slaves would make do with the innards and other inconceivable parts to feed their loved ones. Bishop Curry points out that they wouldn't just make do, but they would actually turn these scraps of garbage, in my mind, things we wouldn't consider food, into something delicious. It obviously speaks of their culinary skills, but I just yeah, for sure. so admire the determination and grit. So, I mean, it's way beyond the making yeah. lemonade out of lemons. Right. And I'm sad that they were given so little and that they were treated this way, but I'm also touched and inspired that they worked with what they had and they transformed it into something delicious and, you know, it was such an expression of love. Right. And that... Well, food, I mean, I think food does that. Oh, absolutely. You know. It absolutely can. He also talks about dreams, as might be expected for a man who admired the late Martin Luther King Jr. I love that he talked about Dolly Parton. Since we discussed her in episode 10. And how she was born into such extreme poverty and felt the need to take care of all of her siblings. She dreamed of a different life and made it happen. Then helped others realize their dreams, too, and worked to fight illiteracy in children. He also touches on Desmond Tutu dreaming of freedom in South Africa at a time when Nelson Mandela was in a prison cell. Yeah. So for Bishop Curry, Archbishop Tutu was channeling Dr. King speaking in the same spirit to dream that one day people would realize that we're really all the same. He talked about South Africa nearing midnight. This was Desmond Tutu talked about South Africa nearing midnight, a term that Dr. King had used, pointing out that that's the darkest hour the darkest of night. Hour, now, yeah. And that there's hope in that dark time, though, that dawn will come and the potential for a new day on the horizon, which I just... I I like that image. I can see that. So he notes that the language of a dream is the language of hope, which is encouraging to me. And still my favorite line in Star Wars Rogue One. (laughs) I hope you saw Star Wars Rogue One. Did you see that? Yeah. Was when Jyn Erso says rebellions are built on hope. Yeah. So he worked with the indigenous people in North Dakota. This was years ago when they were trying to stop the pipeline that would disrupt the lives of 8,000 Native Americans on their land. And it was sacred water, sacred land that we had, the government had given them. And right. now we're, we're trying to, to yeah. yeah. So he traveled to do what he could with this tragic injustice. But he also was very upfront that the Episcopalian Church had also historically mistreated the indigenous people, forcing them into inclusion programs noting that this was not expressing God's love. 
he didn't dwell on it by any means, but yeah, he also wasn't going to deny it. And I appreciate that he unpacked it right away. Right, right. Which I totally respect. And speaking of respect, the Sioux tribe responded in a most admirable fashion when they, unfortunately, they lost that fight and the government was granted access to the pipeline. They responded saying, the seeds of this water and love are being given to the world. Which, how beautiful is that? I I would be forever bitter. I know. How much These are their ancestors. So what I loved about his discussion of the story was his reminder to not just surround yourself with like-minded people. Mm -hmm. We don't grow or learn about love there. He reminded us to examine where we're getting our information and testimonies. If it's only from people who look and sound like us, we're not getting the whole story, which I'm totally guilty of. He quoted Madeleine Albright, the former Secretary of State. Instead of conspiring with the like-minded, we need to spend more time learning from those considered wrong-headed. So I'm so guilty of this and something I need to work on. But his energy and enthusiasm are just a breath of fresh air. Not going to lie, I, you know, struggle with organized religion. I've witnessed things that have scarred and jaded me. But this guy is so incredibly refreshing and exactly the type of person who should be leading a church. He's real. He talks about pot in college. I mean, he's not encouraging it, but he talks about, you know, he's very real about them doing it. And and he was scared to death when his friend, he thought his friend wasn't going to make it. And so he stopped. They stopped doing it. But he's just very frank. He's truthful about Dr. King being human and making some We all make choices and make mistakes. He expresses that he's imperfect, like the rest of us, even though I think he's pretty much as perfect as humans could go. But I love that he's passionate about bringing people together, not dividing them. He talks about a Bible study in his earlier days of pastoring. I can't remember the religions he invited. I want to say Jewish and Muslims, but don't don't quote me on that. He, He started the Bible study on the book of Genesis because he felt that that was one book they all agreed on right, and right. they could come together and just Big discuss starting it. point. Yeah. And I just love that he's finding common ground and cultivating that common ground and expanding from there. It, it reminded me so much of when you talked about Eleanor Roosevelt in episode 15, where she put her chair right in the middle between right. the white chairs and the black chairs. And she wanted to be a bridge. And I just, I want more bridges. Yeah. We need more bridges. We need to focus on commonalities, not the things that divide us. September 1st in 2018, Bishop Curry served as the officiant for the state funeral of Senator John McCain. Oh. I know. I loved that. And then shortly thereafter, he officiated the funeral of George H.W. Bush. And then he also, he spoke at the Spirit of Apollo program organized by the National Air and Space Museum when they were commemorating the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 8 mission to the moon. Oh, cool. I think, though, I admire more than anything with Bishop Curry is his reminder for us to plant seeds, to stop worrying about regrets, mistakes in the past. We can't back up and plant seeds, and we can't change past decisions, but I love his optimism and reminder that the best time to plant seeds is today. When those seeds scatter, we have no idea who they'll touch or even if they'll make a difference, but they definitely won't make a difference. We won't change anything if we don't try. Right. He told a couple of stories that resonated with me. One was a woman in his church who would help sew the ornate clothing. You've seen their clothing. Yeah, right. They're robes. Very fancy. This woman had lost her legs when she was a young girl in a house fire, and she she was pleading with God to just give her her legs back, and obviously that wouldn't happen. But 
when she got her prosthetic legs, she saw that as an answer to prayer. And so she started sewing for the church. And that was her gift as a seamstress to the church. And it just touched me for a couple reasons. First, it would have been easy for her to be bitter. Right. You know, why me? And I'm sure her prayers were in desperation. But she honored those prayers, and she focused on the gift of her new legs instead. I love, too, secondly, that she could take something so simple. I mean, I'm saying it's simple. I can't sew, so it's really not yeah. simple. But yeah. a simple act like that and and help others and serve her church and God. So she was planting seeds in all sort of pe- sorts right. of people around her with right. a simple act. Yeah. Another story was about Hugh Masekla. He's a South African trumpeter. And according to Michael Corey, he's the world's greatest trumpet player ever. When Masekla was a young boy, he saw an American movie about a famous jazz trumpeter. And he went to the chaplain of his school, whose name was Trevor Huddleston, and he, you know, told him about this dream. Huddleston, who was emerging at the time as an anti-apartheid movement leader, but Father Huddleston saw the excitement in his eyes when he was talking about this dream. And not only did he go buy him a trumpet, yeah. which above and beyond already, right. but he asked a local brass band to teach him how to play. Oh. So that in itself oh, is pretty awesome. cool. But yeah. Huddleston had no idea what would come of it, if anything. Yeah. But he had done his part to work on the boy's dream, and soon Huddleston had his own band, the father, South Africa's first youth orchestra. Oh. News traveled to Louis Armstrong. Oh, my goodness. Wow. About Huddleston Act of Love. Yeah. And Armstrong sent his trumpet to Masekla, who wrote some of the most beloved protest songs playing on Louis Armstrong's trumpet oh. as they were marching the streets fighting apartheid. Wow. Michael Curry, one of the parts in the book, he wrote, It's impossible to know in the moment how a small act of goodness will wow. reverberate through time. The notion is empowering and it's frightening because it means that we're all capable of changing the world and responsible for finding those opportunities to protect feed, grow, and guide love. We can all plant seeds. So I just feel like the world is hurting and more and more of us are turning away from religion, especially young people. And I totally get it. Faith is something very personal, but too many of us have made it about rituals, rules, and being honest, judgment. Yeah. So for me, that's what I find so refreshing about Bishop Michael Curry. He's obviously a deeply religious man. I mean, he's running the freaking Episcopalian Church. Right. But if you watch sermons, he's definitely got the preacher, Jesus, and he's got all the... the, um, A little bit of theater in it. Yeah, exactly. But I'm not turned off by that or his suggestion for us to become crazy Christians. Quite the contrary. I'm really drawn to him. Yeah. I'm glad his father taught him to not shy away from politics because I admire that he's not afraid to stand up for what's right, Mm -hmm. what's fair, and what's just. He's too busy focusing on loving people so he doesn't waste time judging them. And that, to me, is exactly how religion should be. Everywhere we turn, there's pain and suffering. There are divisions and families. Communities are fighting. Our world's in discourse, and our planet is in pain. It reminds me a lot of Dr. King's use of midnight. I feel like we're right there. It might seem extra dark at times to some, but I refuse to give up hope that lighter and brighter days are ahead. Diamonds are made under pressure, and butterflies aren't just born beautiful. Right. Dr. Michael Curry is right. We can all be the seeds of change in big and little things. So say the Asian, the Hispanic, the Jew, the African, the Native American, the Sioux, 
the Catholic, the Muslim, the French, the Greek, the Irish, the rabbi, the priest, the sheik, the gay, the straight, the preacher, the privileged, the homeless, the teacher. History, despite its wretching pain, cannot be unlived, but if faced with courage, need not be lived again. On the Pulse of the Morning by Maya Angelou. As I was listening to the rapid fire questions from oh, Brene Brown's uh, interview, that. I'm so glad that you told me that she interviewed Bishop Michael Curry because I thought it was so interesting that on his favorite playlist, he included a song from John Legend and Common. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah, I read Common's latest book, Let Love Have the Last Word in Preparation for Father's Day. So it was just an interesting connection, especially since I had no idea who Common was. Yeah. Until I stumbled across the book at Target. And like Bishop Curry's, his book is centered on love. So I knew I had to read it. But from the very beginning of the book, it's clear that this man is some sort of celebrity. You know, he talks about discussing his assistant, helping him get prepared for public engagements. And he talks about having multiple dwellings. So clearly I knew the man was successful. I discovered that he's a Grammy winning rapper, actor, and activist. And he's all, he talked a lot in the book about being a father. So because of his touring schedule, he didn't get to see his daughter as much as he liked. And I think the relationship kind of suffered in a way as a result. Aww. But I love his honesty. He's very frank about it and open. He describes their relationship, some of the struggles and mistakes he's made. But he clearly adores and his daughter, you know, is priority. And it seems mutual. But I just love his openness about parenthood because we're all... Yeah, we're trying to do the best we can. (laughs) But I also thought it was interesting that in both Bishop Michael Curry's book and Common, they mention John Coltrane. Okay. Who is another man I had. I'd never heard of, but I guess he was a famous musician who worked for Miles Davis. He was fired a couple times from him, but he struggled with a drug addiction, and his life was almost ruined because of it. But fortunately, he turned his life around, and I guess his story inspired both men at different points in their life. But Common's book was great, but it wasn't until the last chapter that I got super excited about the guy. I love that he speaks his truth, and he's found his voice, but he mentioned, too briefly in my opinion, a prison tour. That he participated in a few years ago, which got me curious. What's that? So I had to YouTube it, and I think everyone should go check it out. Because his Redemption and Hope Tour was a full-on concert. Like, full-on concert at several prisons around California. And the reason I think everyone needs to check it out is that the snips of it just, it, it humanizes these men and women who are behind bars. One prisoner was molested by a neighbor when he was five. So he later, going through this in life, he later joined a gang just because he wanted the protection of the gang. So another guy's parents, they were crack addicts. So he grew up having to find his own food, figure out his own clothes. There was another guy who became a meth addict and engaged in nonviolent crimes, crimes nonetheless, while he was using. So... I'm all about consequences for yeah. our actions. and But we don't know the backstory. We definitely don't. And um, all these videos I saw, the people, they had done the crimes. And I definitely understand people need to pay the price. But and I'm tough on crime, but my heart can't help but hurt hearing these stories. Yeah. And I so admire that he's put this out there so that you can see them. But they're in prison. That doesn't mean they're not human beings. And... The best way for us all to win in this is if they make sure that before they re-enter society, they have skills 
and yeah. confidence right. so that they don't end up in and prison they, again. And they deserve redemption, too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, oh, in, the, in several of the YouTube concerts, you see these ARC shirts. Anti-Recidivism Coalition. They work to end mass incarceration in California. So these are like mentors that come in both in the prison and they try to advocate for policy change and just um, they're like a support network to you know, help them prepare for reentry into okay, that's- civilian life. I read a stat that noted that 66% of prisoners in California reenter the prison system within three years of their release, which I think is just tragic. Those aren't good statistics. No, no, <laughs> I mean, no. Several times I ran the Oregon State Penitentiary Run. They have a program that they started to encourage inmates to better themselves. And it was a tough program to get into, not not for participants. I mean, you, the, there were certain rules and you had right. to wear certain clothes. And I mean, even like sunglasses, you couldn't bring in your sunglasses. But participants had to apply, oh. it, you know, anyone in the, in the prison. And anyone who didn't maintain this strict standard didn't get to join in the runs. And it was both the wardens or correction officers, they loved it, and the participants loved it, too. And I know that people thought I was crazy doing it, but a friend had encouraged me to try it, and I knew that Prefontaine yeah. had participated in it. Oh. So just one run, and I was hooked. We could do a whole ep- episode on just that, but most of these guys this was an all-male facility, were going to be released. So it's beneficial for society if they learn skills and have experiences in prison to ease the transition and prevent them from falling back into old behaviors when they're released. So the guys who organized the runs in the penitentiary were beaming with pride at their accomplishment because they set up the, they, you had the bibs and yeah. they kept track of your laps. And right. I mean, they just, they organized the whole thing. There was a guy on Commons Tour who talked about training rescue dogs. Oh. He was in wow. prison. Yeah. He was training rescue dogs. And the last dog he was showing in the video was going to be sent to a veteran to help him with post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh. So I came across a story about a man wrongfully accused. That's a whole separate issue of a crime. And was eventually released when the charges were overturned. But he used the time in prison to learn to cut hair. Because oh. from a correction officer right. in there. Yeah. So this correction officer, Bobby Madison, had started a state-licensed barber college in the maximum security prison. It was one of the state's first. When this gentleman was released, the two guys opened a barber school together in oh, Illinois. Oh, cool. And they said, opening a barber school is one of the best ways we can give back. Legacy seeks to give people caught up in the justice system and others a path toward a successful career and in life. And I just loved the common was just giving these people just a little glimpse of hope. Yeah. That, yes, they've done terrible, awful things. They've made some bad choices. We don't know their whole story. Right. But it don't. just, it made me love this guy that I, up until yeah, last month, didn't awesome. even know who he was. I, yeah, yes. I'm glad to know so, about him, too. That's so very, cool. Very, very sweet man. The miracle is a shift in our own thinking. The willingness to keep our own heart open regardless of what's going on outside. Marianne Williamson. Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
Have a great week.